What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on X. We are on X right now, you guys. It is wild. Maybe you're listening to the podcast later. Spotify, Apple, Google. Maybe you're listening on Google.com. That's a place you can listen to podcasts. You just type in Pete LePage and the podcast starts playing. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever it is you're listening, wherever it is you are watching, we appreciate you checking it out. We have a great show for you tonight. We are in a couple, we're in different states. We're in three different states currently. Shocking. I'm in New York. Pete, Good. you're in Maryland, right? Maryland, yes. Maryland. That's what Justin, Pete you're Emmy, down in uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. NOLA, the Big Easy, Woo-hoo. down here for work. Um, you you know, we often talk about what great cocktail we're drinking. I'm drinking good old American hot coffee because I have an all-night shoot ahead of me tonight. Uh-oh. Ooh. That's awesome. Can I... Can I? Am I allowed to bring up the fact you just mentioned it has nothing to do with comic books? But it uh, sure, yeah. So you're doing the shoot in a supermarket, of course, overnight because supermarket stuff happens during yeah. the day. And so I jokingly asked you, "Oh, could you grab whatever you want off the shelves and eat it?" And you said, uh, "That we can, if we want to get a snack, we can take a picture of it, send it to our production manager, and uh, they will buy it uh, afterwards." It, it, I'll tell you, it is weird to be in a grocery store at night because it's. You just walk around if you want. There's mm-hmm. like all the stuffs you there. Find yourself in the candy aisle a lot, or are you just gonna? <laughs> no. The reason I don't, Pete, is is simple. I'm not Pete LePage. I'm a little bit different, <laughs> so I'm not just. I would just kind of find reasons to shoot over in that area and just be like, "Oh gosh, you know. <laughs> yeah. can we shoot in the candy?" Yeah. Could you imagine candy? if Pete was on that shoot? You would uh, walk over to the candy. He'd be like, "Hey, where's Pete?" Walk over to the candy aisle. He'd be like Garfield. In yeah, there, I'd be like, "I it. ran out of room on my phone, sending pictures to the production manager." <laughs> just turn around and say help me justin help me i ate everything (laughs) all right why don't we bring in our first set of guests for the evening they are the creators of the new book from idw kilmore which is wild and violent and awesome i'm very excited to chat with them about this returning guest scott brian wilson and a new guest max allen fuchs hello welcome guys What's what's up Hey, uh, hey. So excited to have you here. Before we get into the book, though, I, w- I wanted to tease something up here. Now, Justin, we didn't say this at the beginning, but it's down in New Orleans where Stray Bullet, Brett Macris, a real legit chef, uh, lives legit. and work. And you've been hanging out with him Famous a bunch. down here. And every week he either curates or creates a cocktail for the show. And this week he created one for you guys uh, this is a cocktail called the Mary Fuchs Kill More. <laughs> uh, and it's St. Germain, which is the Mary, Gin, which is the Fuchs. I hope I'm pronouncing your nice. name correctly. You are. You are. Okay, excellent. Uh, the Mezcal, which is the Kill More, cranberry juice, lime, and simple syrup. It sounds delicious. Uh, I didn't have most of these ingredients around at the current time, but I'm very excited to make this one. Um, so there we go. A cocktail. That's amazing. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. I, I just can't wait to have this shit. Let's yeah. Try it later. <laughs> and, and Scott, yeah, I think guy. you're the Mary in this scenario. Is the of thing? course I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. It's hard to hold on no, to. No other fucking option. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's chat about this book. There is 
We got an advanced chance to read this. This is coming out on September 13th, I believe. Is that correct from ITW? Correct. Correct. Okay. There are so many wild things going on in this book. I... I hesitate to start describing the concept because I don't know what you do and do want to hint at or spoil. But uh, Scott, do you want to talk about the concept a little bit? Yeah, it's about a um, a, a collapsing city that uh, becomes overrun by serial killers, um, and the uh, the the two cops uh, who who are still uh, around uh, the precinct who are trying to uh, to 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 take to take him down. Uh, there you go. Well, that pretty much covers it. That's all the stuff I was worried about spoiling, so we can jump right into it. Um, <laughs> well, it doesn't touch yeah. on the sheer number of uh, kills, murderers, and murders, and gristle that we see in this uh, in this first issue. What's up, guys? Everything, everything cool? <laughs> well, Max, I mean, on that note, there are a lot of different kills in here and a lot of different ways. When you're drawing things like that, I'm sure at least a little bit it comes from the script, but how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it different? And how do you how do you deal with drawing all of that gruesome stuff? I really don't know how other people aren't thinking about those things all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there's you know it's not going to let up either. We're moving into working on uh, the fifth issue now, and those those are the scenes that I'm living for every issue you know it's like i can't get i can't i can't wait to uh to get to another opportunity to uh flex on some creative grisly murder scene (laughs) and are you guys like do you have like a a list of like well what if here are like a hundred ways for people to die and you're just (laughs) sort of picking and choosing as you go or how are you working through this i mean it's all driven by the story right you know scott's writing a very tight narrative here and uh i'll usually just add the the little sprinkle of something extra gnarly on top of it yeah there's a there's a there's a kill in uh uh issue four that is going to gross you the fuck out and it's going to blow <laughs> people's minds uh when it was in the script uh, it was very sort of mild uh, cause at that point I knew what Max was going to do and I was like, yeah, just fucking go for it. And, uh, it shocked me, uh, when I saw it. So, uh, and then there, I think there's one in issue seven that I'm just, I can't wait. I know it's coming. It's gonna be so much grosser and better than, than I thought. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, there's a bunch of killers in the book and you only get to see some of them in the first issue. Um, but yeah, when I was plotting it out, uh, I, I, I made a, a sort of, I made an Excel sheet of all the killers and because I realized I couldn't fucking keep track of everything. Uh, so <laughs> just trying to each issue who appears, how many pages, what are they doing? Uh, just so that I could get the pacing right and the rhythm, right. You don't want to go too long without seeing someone unless there's a story reason for it, or, you know, you don't, you don't want to make it look kind of haphazard. You want it to feel really, you know, um, correctly paced so that was that that so that drove part of it too was like the individual stories of the killers when they show up um and there's there's a lot of surprising things that are gonna uh that are gonna happen in the book for sure well could you talk could you talk a little bit about the thematic nature of the book because i don't know if i'm reading this wrong but it felt a little bit i don't know if it started here but it felt a little bit like you're playing with the idea of when a factory city gets abandoned and then taking that to the absolute 
biggest possible extreme. Is that kind of on the right track of where you started with or am I off? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of evolved from my, from my, you know, original idea, you know, you, I just had the idea of a bunch of killers. Right. But then you start <laughs> thinking like, where would they function best? Well, it wouldn't be in a regular city because you'd be caught, you'd be caught too fast, too, too difficult, right? Too many police, too many people. But if it was a city that say the upper and middle classes had fled because the industry left, right. Then you have fewer people. Then I started thinking like, well, if there aren't that many people, a lot of cops are going to quit. Firemen are going to quit, you know, whatever firefighters, fucking teachers, everybody's going to fucking quit. Right. Like they're going to go somewhere where that's not dangerous. And, you know, um, so then I just realized like it would be like a playground essentially. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, that's the, you know, the, the blood and the kills are the fun part, but yeah, there's a lot of like sort of social commentary and things happening as well. Right. It's not just blood and guts. Um, but yeah, there's a lot below the surface. If you want to sort of look into things and think about, you know, some of the, some of the uh, things you're talking about. Uh, yeah, what I was thinking when I was reading it was that it the the killers almost feel like an inevitability, a natural disaster, like climate change, where like mm -hmm. there's no mm -hmm. way of stopping them. And our cops, mm -hmm. who are sort of like the vulnerable townspeople, as a giant tsunami of blood is mm -hmm. coming toward them. Uh, yeah, like, I think I feel like I haven't seen a story that that puts the the sort of heroes in such a vulnerable like lack of knowledge spot. Yeah, right. So I think Max Max was the one who said at one point, he's like, this is a book about compulsion, right? Not only the compulsion of the kill killers, because as you know, like, you know, serial killers, it's like this compulsion, right? But also the compulsion of the cops who were staying behind under against every good sense, staying behind and working these cases, right? Um, and, you know, and I always, I always sort of, I'm always much more interested in the the villains and the bad guys, you know, and than the than the heroes. So for me, um, it was just interesting to try to write a book sort of based around even though the heroes have probably more screen time in the end than, than the villains, they're such overwhelming presence. They're always aware of them, right? Um and and for me that was sort of the fun the the sort of fun approach is 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 really starting with the with the villains and going from there. Uh, Max, oh, go ahead, Pete. Sorry, yeah. you got interrupted before. I uh, just wanted to say that uh, these covers are absolutely amazing. The art is just super tight bananas. It's really impressive what's happening in this book. That's a compliment if you're not familiar um, with how Pete. But, yeah, thanks, thanks. Also, we got, like we a lot of great people on those variant covers. We were really yeah. lucky to work yeah, with these uh, these folks. It was really fun to kind of uh, get a chance to see them all and stuff. This is an absolute nightmare book, though. I mean, some of this stuff just in the first issue has, has haunted me in ways that I'll never be able to forget. Um, are you worried at all about going too far? Because, like, this is just such a, like, if a city gets abandoned and then, like, you know, nobody's around, uh, like, the, the creepiest people in the world to all come together in a way that is just something we've never seen before that is just absolute Peter, are you worried this is going to happen like near where you live? I, I, <laughs> like... I think that 
you know, there is, uh, I, I mean, see I, a, a, a version of this happening to a city in a, in a horrible way. So the, uh, so we're going down for Baltimore comic con. This is a little bit of a side trip. And I told Pete, Oh, I got a Airbnb. Like, I mean, this, walk I, away I, I just have a question about the convention center. <laughs> I just have a question. No, but this about, is what we're getting at. Right. And you were like, no, you're going to die. You are no, going to die. I'm just saying that, that far from the convention center. No, they're going to no, kill no. you. Your first question was, have you seen the wire? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I went to college in Baltimore at the Maryland Institute College of Art, and I spent a lot of time as a poor college student just walking around Baltimore. And uh, one of the this, this was a long time ago, but one of the magical things about Baltimore is that you can be like in a really swank neighborhood one second with like beautiful brownstones, two million dollar houses, and you can cross a street and be you know, right next to a flaming trash can and and needles all over the street. It's just like block to block, or at least it was. He's, so he's Pete trying was to save right. you, Alex. All right. No, it, I apologize. All, all that aside, um, do you guys worry about going too far with this in, in a way that's like too scary? Or are you like, ah, let's keep, keep haunting people's dreams and, and thoughts? put it this way it's not crossed right which is a book i really right. admire yeah. and i've read every issue of crossed i i think it's a, a fantastic book it's not crossed in terms of just being there for sheer grossness or sheer uh the shock value right i think a lot of the horror is in like you say it's it's in the between the lines the the psychological part of it you know and even in some of the even throughout the book, a lot of the kills are left to the imagination, right? Versus just always seeing everything right on the page, which um, I think that is pretty powerful too when you think, because you know what's happening, right? You know, you know what's happening. Uh, you can hear it or, or, or it's implied or you somebody goes in a room and you know what's going to happen, you know? So I think that can be scarier than just sure, sheer shock value on the page. Which there's a place for that, but we're definitely not crossed for sure. Max, can you talk about the design of the killers a little bit? Again, I'm sure at least part of this came from the collaboration and the script and everything, but they're so interesting because they're not what you would expect from like slasher horror movie villains. They all have very different types. Anybody who's watching the live show, you got to see the old lady. People were joking in the comments that we finally find out Sophia's time in Sicily, what went on in this book here with that character. Uh, but you've also got <laughs> this got there. great character you introduced called the giraffe, who I don't oh. want to get into too many of the jokes, oh but God. the jokes were killer there. And then you have this other character that we saw here on the live show, just this really jacked lady with blonde hair who's running around the city pummeling people to death. So there was a lot of prelude for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what the stuff looked like. But uh, Max, could you talk about the design of the characters a little bit and how you embrace them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Scott's been living with these characters in his head for, <laughs> you know, the, the better part of a decade, maybe. Hope right? you're okay, Scott. <laughs> uh, and, you know, for, for all of them, he had a high concept. And for some, you know, we have... Uh, from his uh, creation of them, some guidelines for how they would look. And uh, like I said about the w w developing the kill scenes in the script, you know, I'm just coming along and sprinkling a little spice, uh, adding my own uh, ideas to it. Like you mentioned, uh, Lady Face Smasher. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, I think the description that Scott put in the, in the original pitch packet that I was kind of working from 
initially was uh, that it was it was like an Archie girl face on a bodybuilder's body. Yeah, yeah, be- yeah Betty, Betty from Betty and Veronica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I Real sort of door. I jumped off from there and added some of my own influences into it. Um, for Ethel, that's our old lady driver, which was her original uh, designation in the original documents, old lady driver. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely took some Estelle Getty and, uh, I mixed it in there with a, a a real life serial killer named, uh, Dorothea Puente. Mm. She was a, a boarding house killer. She ran a boarding house. She killed people who she brought into that boarding house and stole their social security checks. That's how they caught her. Wow. But if you look her up, I think you'll also find some resemblances there. Uh, so wait, we have a Betty, we have an Ethel Scott. Are these all named after Archie Comics characters? No, her name isn't actually Betty. Her name was just, oh, okay. I just said, think of Betty from oh, okay. Archie. All right. Except yeah. she's a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was, that sweet ponytail, though. I, I love the, it. The I, giraffe, moose, mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> but, you know... The thing is, like nothing I saw in my head was it was it was all totally steamrolled by what Max actually drew and designed, you know. Hmm. So it's not like I I created them in the the sort of large sense, right? And I gave a sentence about what I saw them as, but Max created them in terms of how they look, like entirely. Hmm. But the thing is, you know, when we when we were when I was putting the book together, and I talked to Max a lot about this too, is like. You know, if we were going for like a hyper realistic crime serial killer and it's full of serial killers, we would have a book of indistinguishable white guys, right? (laughs) Every killer would just be an indistinguishable white guy. And I said that would be super fucking boring, you know, Um, because there's going to be so many of them. We need these visual sort of visual cues so you can tell who everybody is because they don't show up that much because there's so many of them, right? Like maybe a page, an issue, every other issue or something like that, depending on who it is. Um, so it, we did take this very sort of super villainish approach to a, a lot of the way they look um, to make them larger than life, to make them feel scary, to make them um, uh, uh, very visually, you know, memorable. Um, so that was, that was, that was our, our, our approach is really big bombastic, you know, visually. Yeah. I have a question about the setting. Um, we talked a little bit about it. Um, and one of the scariest things is the the hopelessness of the fall apart infrastructure of uh, mm-hmm. Colonia, if I'm getting that mm-hmm. correct. The, the Why did you make it a fictional city set, I guess, in the maybe near future, it feels like, rather yeah. than a place, uh, a real place? It just it's more is more interesting, right? Just to make it up, then I don't have somebody going like, well, actually, Elm Street doesn't actually cross. You know what I mean? Like, who gives a fuck, right? Who cares? It's like we just if we make it up, we have total control over it. That's like the simple answer. Like, make it up, total control, no worries. Um, and then the near future setting actually plays in pretty heavily to the book as it as it progresses. Um, so there's a lot. We have a lot of there's a lot of little things in throughout the book. Like we, we never really specify exactly when it takes place to sort of not date things, you know, like in 20 yeah. years from now, you're like, Oh, you really fucking got that wrong. You know? So it's, so it's We're kind of way vague, better but... off than this kill city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of where it came from. It was just, if we create it total control, no worries. We can do what we want. 
Uh, that said, Max, did you use any visual reference for the city, and was it Baltimore? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was definitely pulling on my experiences in uh, in various cities. Mm -hmm. I've traveled around a fair amount. Uh, I used to work in television production, which it sounds like, Justin, you might know something about. He's uh, a line sure. producer. Very dystopian. No, that's I'm that's not the a money man. He's the dude's all money. <laughs> The line producer is always the person you want to be on their good side. Yeah. They're, they're getting that check to you. But I worked in reality TV and I traveled to a Oof. lot of really fabulous places and a lot of like junk places. <laughs> I'm not going to name yeah. names after calling them junk places, but <laughs> I've, been, wow. I've been in a lot of crumbling cities. I have so um, many questions. What did you do in, if you totaled uh, side trip, I, but, uh, what did you do? I was you know, a shows camera, camera operator. Ooh. Nice. Oh, man. You've seen which, so much. Which shows did you and work so on? What reality shows? I, I did that for 10 years as a freelancer, so a lot of shows. Oh, My very first job was in pre-production, driving a grip truck for, at that time, a secret game show, reality game show, uh, called The Apprentice. Wow. Oh, yeah. Season one. Oh, boy. So I'm wow. aging myself here, dating myself. Mm -hmm. How was uh, how was the host of that show? Was he a nice I, guy? I never talked to him. You know, oh, he doesn't okay. talk to uh, us. Doesn't <laughs> talk to the grip truck. Did no. you ever work? I can't at imagine wife he was swap? down there. Wife swap? No, no. <laughs> what was that? Did you work at Wife Swap, Pete? Because oh, we I did. That it, yeah. that show broke me. <laughs> oh man. Because you had to swap the wives back and forth. Yeah. You were yeah. the he wife had to swap. Negotiate the swap. <laughs> Max, what? Uh, not to stay on this, but I'm curious. Sure. What led to the career change, or was it always in the background that you wanted to be a comic book artist? Yeah, I, I always wanted to be a comic book artist. Ever since I was a little kid, I was drawing comic book characters, making up my own. Uh, I started making my own comics and photocopying them. Uh, I think oh, when smart. I started, it was at my dad's office and I was probably using up all their toner. So then my mom <laughs> would start oh, yeah. taking me to, you know, office max or somewhere and I would sell them at the local comic book shop. I always wanted to do that. And um, then I went to art school where they taught me that that was wrong. And uh, <laughs> in so many words, it took me, uh, it took me another 15 years or so to break the programming and uh, that's when I went back to school to the Kubert School. Oh, wow. And, uh, oh, awesome. You know, started the whole process from there. That's, uh, you know, that's why my career has gotten started a little later in life than I think maybe a lot of other uh, people in the field. It's but, never uh, too late, man. You know, I'm, uh, I've, I've got as much fire in my gut for it now as I feel like as when I was a 13 year old kid, you know, learning how to use a T square for the first time. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, here we are. Yeah. Well, and all that life experience, an insatiable oh. bloodlust than working at. <laughs> reality TV it's true. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, also, also the value of, uh, shot selection and, uh, of course, there you go. That makes sense. Storyboarding, all that stuff. Uh, I don't want to put you guys on the spot too much, but obviously a big question mark that's happened over the past couple of weeks in particular is about IDW Originals and what's going on with them. Obviously, your book is coming out, and that's great. There's a couple of other books that have been canceled or pulled for various reasons. Um, do you have any insight there? Was that anything you were worried about? Was there touch and go with your book, or are you good to go at this point? Um, we're good to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I think we we were. I think we were kind of ahead of the the curve. I think a lot of the books that got canceled were 
part of a, another wave that was coming. Mm. And I had a lot in the can. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had already put a lot in the can. Like I said, we're already starting into issue five now. And uh, I, I chalk it up to the, the larger contraction going on mm. everywhere. Not, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I do hope that a lot of those projects, you know, I, I've heard about a lot of them and there's some cool stuff. So I um, hope that they can find their way, uh, you know, to a, to another avenue to be seen. Yeah, I mean, that's what in the sun. seems to be happening. Obviously, you guys probably have more insight than I do, but it certainly seems like a lot of those projects have been given back to the creators so that they can take them to other publishers, that they can put them on Kickstarter or wherever. So I'm very glad to see that. Also very glad to see that you guys are going to get to do this book. Um, is this, at this point, is it planned as an ongoing, as a miniseries? Where is it at? Uh, it's eight issues, but eight two issues. of the issues are double sized. So it's essentially mm -hmm. 10. It's the length of 10 issues, but it's in, in eight. So five wow. and eight are, are double sized. Oh, okay. awesome. Fun. Why yeah, specifically those issues? Or is that something you can't talk about yet? It's boring, long story, but it's that it is what it is. And we're 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 psyched. It's actually it's actually cool because like. I think there's a lot to every issue. There's a lot that's there's a lot happening in every issue. So I think like getting yes. double length is actually kind of, uh, kind of cool. Um, and then I think when cover price wise, it comes out to a dollar cheaper than buying two issues anyway. So it's hey, all right. awesome. Win win, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. I mean, there's so much going on in this first issue already. It, it oh feels like a really good, not, not to use another, medium but it feels like a really good pilot to me just in terms of you're very clearly setting up these characters the situations mm -hmm. there's a lot of huge ideas but you have these literal cops on the ground who are giving us a sense of everything and it really starts to come together in a really nice way by the end of the issue so and the is tone is the yeah. tone is so well set as well like which is something that i think is hard in any medium well, especially comics to really have a specific tone right out of the gate so yeah no i really mean it's, it's it, it thank you yeah it's it is it is uh meticulously plotted you know pretty much every page i had laid out what was going to happen so i could get the pacing right before i wrote the first issue so it's it's very sort of tightly um uh tight tightly laid out um to be a um super rewarding like um like a, a like a great tv show or a, a novel or something like that right where it's it's all this big one piece right being less it's it is sequential in the sense that it's each issue is tells a sort of its own story but it's just a big it's a big it's a big monster yeah and we put a lot of care into the tone of this thing overall too you know our our colorist yeah. has been just phenomenal uh valentina risky uh, we worked together in the beginning just to make sure that uh, we were we were making this this city feel the way it needed to feel, mm -hmm. and uh, you know giving each character kind of uh, some signatures as far as as the color and the lighting and everything. I mean, Scott had been mulling over typefaces for the lettering for <laughs> I don't know maybe <laughs> maybe a year or more before this was ever even. Like before we even oh, had a well deal, done. It's you know, really we would talk great. about, you know, the typefaces he's looking at, like, oh, I like this one because it's kind of condensed or, you know, what, whatever the case may be. Uh, so every, everything has, uh, every element has been uh, painstakingly uh, vetted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It shows. And I feel a little burnt because you lay 
his face smasher took my diner order, and that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one lot. thing I like writing about. It's food. Food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my last book was all about fucking fast food, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the, you know, I... I, 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 I you know, I like to fantasize about what my diner order would be. So part of that is just me getting fucking excited, you know? It shows in this book particularly, I was like, this is such a fantasy diner order to sit down and say all of those foods at once. Sounds should we bad. give a, should I give him the scoop about my little Easter egg Ooh. that I'm Ooh. putting in? Yeah, every, sure. Yeah. Every issue I've put in some reference to hot dogs. Nice. Okay. <laughs> you can. There's a lot of there's there's a there's a lot of Easter eggs throughout. Not only like little things like that, but also things like there are things in the first issue that you will have no way of understanding that they're even a thing until you get to the fifth issue, and then you go, "Holy fucking shit!" And you got to go back and read it because now oh, you're wow. thinking about it with a different kind, you know, a different perspective. So there's a lot of things like that, and then the hot dogs. There's so many little things. Like every panel's got all sorts of shit in it, you know. Oh, awesome. Man. I'm going to have to go back and read it again right after the show to find out what was going <laughs> on about the, the dogs. dogs. Yeah, I got to figure out the dogs. Uh, before we let you guys go, anything else you want to plug? Obviously, this is top of mind, but any other projects from either of you people should be checking out or places online or anything like that? Scott? Yeah, well, the, 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 the True Cult uh, trade paperback is just out uh, earlier this month, nice. also from IDW Originals. That's the book I did with Liana Kangas great last book, year. Yeah. Um, yeah, satanic uh, fast food crime book. Um, super happy with how that c- turned out. The cover is so fucking pink. It's you can see it from Mars. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, exa- it's exactly what we wanted. Uh, and then the other thing is I have a book. Uh, the, it comes out the week after um, Kill More Number One comes out called. Uh, the left hand path and that's from a new publisher called uh, dead sky mm-hmm. uh, and that's a uh that's a sci-fi horror book uh with the artist uh ken nudson um and you think Kilmore is bleak this book is bleaker than fuck and I apologize. but it's just a one shot so you just have to get yeah, through okay. it but uh right. yeah, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty brutal yeah and max what about you well i'm all in on Kilmore for the time being but um my Kickstarter project from a couple years back, my wrestling romance comic, The Motherfucking Fucker, about a giant <laughs> purple luchador and his lady love, Tigoria Killblood. I've been in the background working on a Motherfucking Fucker summer special, uh, which awesome. obviously is not going to be making it out for this summer because, you know, Kilmore has kind of bo- yeah. blossomed into this. Uh, consuming thing but i did decide recently that whenever i get it done i can kind of repackage it as the uh motherfucking fucker climate change forever summer special (laughs) (laughs) smart smart truth oh man if if we have to go that way but be be looking at be looking out for that uh at some point catchy title i love it thank you thank you uh, awesome guys congratulations on the book it is uh, amazing really really great i can't thank wait to go back and check out the hot dogs read the rest of the issues etc cetera, etc cetera. thank you so much for coming on thank you for having us appreciate it all right thanks guys thanks, guys all good right. to see you Later. Good to see you all right there we go once again the book is called Killmore. it's out from idw on september 13th definitely check it out it's awesome 
And let's bring in our next guest into the stream. He is the creator of the new book, I Am Stan, which is coming out from Penguin Random House on September 12th. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Scioli. Hello, Tom. Hey, how's it going? Hey. hey, first of all, did I mangle your last name? Is it Scioli? That sounded or... great. Yeah, yeah sounded I did it. Uh, okay. Woof. Sweating that one a little bit. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is, as mentioned, also coming out in September. This is a graphic novel biography of Stan Lee that is told mostly through his words and the words of others. It's kind of a reported piece in a certain way. Uh, You certainly pulled on a lot of different material. Um, where Where did the idea start with this? Where did the research start for this? Yeah, I mean, the, the idea, like, doing a, it, it, I, I did a Jack Kirby uh, graphic mm-hmm. biography prior to this. So it's kind of like the a Stan Lee one is just the natural next step. But mm-hmm. I, and, and and the publisher did ask about that as a possibility. And at, at the time, I just wasn't, um, I was so, uh, you know, like, kind of uh, worn out, you know, doing that, the Jack, the Jack Kirby thing was such a big task. And Stan is like a big part of that story. So like the idea of immediately going right back to work on a, you know, comics biography with uh, a lot of the same, you know, the same cast, it just, I just was not ready for it at the time. So I, I worked on a bunch of different other, other things and, you know, pitched a bunch of different things and stuff. But as like the years went on, I, you know, the, the Stan Lee thing was just in the back of my head. And I, I, you know, thought of like some ways of doing it that, that would be interesting and, 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 and would make sense. And so eventually I got to the point where like, I was like, yeah, I think I really want to do a Stan Lee book, you know, and then, and then it was on. Uh, Well, why this approach then specifically in terms of it's, it's really, he's in, I think, pr- not every panel, but pretty much every panel, almost front and center right there. It's very focused on his POV. Obviously, the book's called I Am Stad, but I'm wondering why that. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, like, he is somebody who was not shy, you know, like, really courted attention and, hmm. you know, wanted all eyes on him and, uh, you know, became, you know, as as he sort of evolved his public persona he became uh you know just yeah a very interesting person to watch like almost like he almost cartooned himself you know and and mm-hmm. just was like a perfect fit for the comics medium so um you know i didn't i i didn't feel like a distance i didn't feel like you know um like i felt like you could just kind of point the camera at him and see where he goes and mm-hmm. and you know just I, so I, t- I took that approach with it what about the look of the book? It, it, it almost feels like this is like a um, a book you'd find like in a stack of comics, like in, like oh, it's this great, almost magical uh, history of of Stan Lee. Um, why'd you go in that direction? Yeah, I mean, I, like my my approach and style had just sort of been you know evolving in that direction to begin with. Uh, you know, this this idea of something like from another era and. Um, yeah, feeling like it's always been there, but uh, the the big change with this one was um, just like the the layout strategy, the panels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of widescreen. It's a lot of um, letting like the action sort of just you know flow almost in real time. And then um, the the drawing style was kind of um, you know closer to like mid twentieth century like comic strip. 
as opposed yeah. to comic books or, or, or humor comics, which, you know, Stan Lee did his share of humor comics, like in, in that sort of, you know, long career he had before he became, you know, like the 1960s Stan Lee that we know. He had a very long career and, and worked in like every, every imaginable genre. And, and so it just, um, you know, the aesthetic just made sense. I kind of, I saw him in like sort of a, uh, like a Mad Men kind of, mm-hmm. you know, oh, world. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that kind of like, you know, 50s or early 60s kind of look made a lot more sense as opposed to, you know, drawing it in in a style that was, you know, closer to like an actual Marvel comic like that didn't that didn't feel appropriate for the story of Stan Lee. One of the things you meant touched on this just a little bit before, but one of the things I'm always struck by whenever I read about his story and read something that encapsulates it like this is it almost feels to me like he 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 didn't want to do comics like he did so many other things and there were so many other things that he tried to do and then he got sucked into comics for a ton of his life and he kept trying to pivot it to other things and ultimately that's the only place his life took him was that your impression writing this up as well yeah i mean i like i'd heard all the stories and and you know and you know that was that was part of his you know patter and when he'd hold court it, it was sort of talking about how you know, he, he envisioned himself as an actor or as a novelist and, Stan, you know, he chose the name Stan Lee because he didn't want to use his real name because he wanted to save that for his real career. Like I'd heard all those stories, but just like in the research and like really digging with it, I was kind of shocked, like how true that was. Like I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's kind of a funny thing to say that that's that's a good sound bite. But yeah, it, it, it really was true. He was he really didn't come from. A, a, a comics like fandom world and he, and he was like he was there at the beginning of comics more or less but he was like a little bit younger than jack kirby and and joe simon but he was still young enough that he probably could like he could have enjoyed comics and and jack kirby too he he was never like a comics fan like there just wasn't such a thing but he liked he liked comic strips and things like that and, and he loved the pulps but I, I feel like, yeah, yeah, Jack Kirby and some of the other Marvel people kind of like, you know, became fans of the medium and really loved the medium and loved what they could do with it. But but for Stan, yeah, he kind of, um, you know, like he, he got as much out of it as a person could, but he did have he had sort of like a social climbing impulse that I think comics were incompatible with. Now, he's such uh, a complicated figure I, over the course of researching something like this and working on it does it change the way you perceive him do you like revere him less or or how does it change when you're yeah i mean it it is like if if you if you make a book about somebody you're gonna like they're yeah they're gonna they're gonna mean more to you like even even if um even if you came away you know not liking the person or or, or something like i I don't know like it would be hard for me to imagine doing something like this where, where I'm like in his shoes and seeing things from his point of view and come away from it, like disgusted with him or something. Like I, I didn't, I, I, um, you know, just, just had a ton of empathy, uh, for him, you know, for, for a lot of things, especially like the things that happened later in his life. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I like, I, just, I feel like I just have like a clarity with him and, 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 mm. uh, just, I, I have a clearer view of things and, um, and, he is, you know, for all his faults, he is extremely likable. Like he, he you know, you, you do kind of like even, you know, some, some of his harshest critics and, and think kind of, you know, in spite of yourself, you kind of get 
you know, caught up in this, you know, in that that world he creates. Well, uh, a couple things. First, we got to address uh, you're getting shout outs in the in the chat here. You do have incredible hair. So congratulations. Okay. On that. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, thank uh, my uh, grandfather for that. Uh, well, oh, nice. lovely. Uh, secondly, yeah, me, we got to interview him. He is a character and this book is so bright and uh, kind of really shows his love, uh, your love for him. Um, do you what are some of your just kind of like proudest moments or happiest moments about making this book that you were so happy you got to put this in here like this part that uh, you want to talk about or share for people yeah you know it's it's funny because it was it was the same thing with the jack kirby book like that my, my favorite parts like for me they're not necessarily the most profound parts or maybe the parts that would stand out for uh for you know like the reader or something but it's like um you know like i'm a big fan of of uh you know, glam rock and seventies stuff. And so, you know, he, he was interviewed by Mark Boland from T-Rex once. It was, you know, like, I, I was like, okay, I got to put that in there. You know? I'm not going <laughs> to not put that in. And like the stuff with Kiss. And so like little, little things like that. And then when, like when Jack Kirby in his career and then Stan Lee in his career start kind of like working in Saturday morning animation and stuff like that's, that was during like my era. That was, that was, that was me when I was like, you know, three or something was when those like, uh, you know, 80s Marvel cartoons and stuff were coming out. So so that touching on that kind of stuff was a lot of fun, too. Cool. Uh, I want to ask you the opposite tone of Pete's question, and I'm going to ask it in a very reductive manner. But since you did a Jack Kirby biography and you've done a Stan Lee biography, are you team Jack Kirby or are you wow. team Stan oh, Lee? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I think it's like obvious, like uh it's pretty obvious that that I'm I'm like Team Jack Kirby, like that's where I came from. And when I when I did the Jack Kirby book, it's like okay, I did it. I did my comics biography. Never doing one of these again. Like like I can cross mm -hmm. it off my list and things like that. So like the, you know there was always going to be a Jack Kirby book for me, just because like like I'm so uh, you know like I'm just so sort of attached to him uh, for a number of reasons, but. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, you know, obviously Stanley, but it's, it's not to, it's not to say I dislike Stanley or don't have immense, uh, you know, affection for him. And, and, the, and, and I, I did, I did meet him once. I never met Kirby. I did meet Stan Lee and I did get the opportunity to tell him, you know, what a fan I am of him. And, and, That's awesome. and, you know, yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, I, I feel like, it, oh, go ahead. just real quick, Alex, yeah, I feel yeah, like please. it's such a, a split to choose between uh, Lee and Kirby, but I feel like they're both, they are what comics became sort of the like unbridled creation and that carnival barker nature of comics so like they're sort of essential on both sides uh, yeah they're they're part of the dna like that and and um yeah that like it, it's like even like with stan in particular like since i come from sort of an art background the the jack kirby stuff is like it's a little more obvious like the the, the influence and the debt that i owe him but with stan lee it's like that Stan Lee voice, that kind of writing that he does, that really is the, you know, that's like the the base tone. Like that's 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 if you're writing comics, that's kind of where you start. And maybe you like do a little more of this or a little less of that, or or maybe you even, you know, deliberately try to do the opposite of some of it. But like the Stan Lee way of, uh, you know, comic dialogue or whatever you want to call it is like, it's 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 still the standard. Yeah. Uh, to keep plumbing into this a little bit, because having read the book, I 
I thought it was very interesting how you presented their relationship, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee here. It it felt very poignant about it. It felt very earnest about it. Obviously, they have their friction, but a lot of the time when you're drawing Jack Kirby, you know, he's chopping on his cigar. <laughs> he's just got to hang out there. He's like, well, I'm a dude. I'm out of here. And even when they have that phone call on the radio show, it's still the tone to me felt very considerate of each other, very loving in a certain way with each other. Obviously, we weren't there, but is that your take on it, or was that how you toned it because you're coming from Stan Lee's perspective? Well, yeah, I mean, the the Jack Kirby in um, in like my Jack Kirby book uh, was it was an it was the internal Kirby, like you're seeing Kirby from the inside out. You're seeing like. Um, where this one is the external Kirby. So uh, you're seeing a lot more of like how, how Kirby comes across in the world, like, or, or how Stan might perceive him. So, you know, he, do, he does look, he looks older. He's a little more, uh, you know, tough and gruff and world weary. And yeah, fill in the room with smoke and things like that. So it's, it's just different because of the, because of the point of view. But um, I, I mean, I think, you know, all, all of their, uh, the, the tensions that they had with each other, um, you know, it's, there's like, you know, various, like, like the points where they're working really closely together and, and, and where there's, you know, resentment of compensation and, and who's, you know, doing more work and things like that and, and attention, um, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's like any, any kind of like colleague or, 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 or semi friend or professional friend or whatever. But as they got older, they, there, uh, there were some, you know, resentments that festered and stayed in there, but as they got older, and I, I, I think, you know, anybody that, that lives, you know, beyond a certain age, like you kind of find this, that like, you, you just have so much more in common as you get older, because, you know, the, the those, um, you know, the people around you, like, like, they have they had they found they had more in common uh than they did with each other than they did with maybe like you know the assistant editors and the writers and the, you know that who who were you know from from a completely different generation can i ask you about a story that really struck me i had never heard this before or if i heard this i completely forgot this um did stanley really whip people in the bullpen one time yeah yeah i mean he there <laughs> There's like a phase and, and it's interesting like what to make of it, but Stanley did have this brief phase, um, you know, sort of like post-war where he had a tremendous amount of power and authority. And I guess like he was just like the right age. He was like still in his twenties and he was, um, and, and he kind of, became like just yeah like a huge asshole for and 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 it seemed almost like he got he he got he worked it out of his system or whatever or or maybe you mm -hmm. know if you talk to some people like those those impulses just became less on the surface but he did have this period and it was sort of um like Harvey Kurtzman's wife was the cuz she she uh you know worked in the office she, I think she was stand secretary I, I forget exactly what but um she was she she had all these sort of stories about those um those days uh, you know, this, that, that version of Stan. And then there, there was a, um, you know, there, there, there was, um, you know, like a documentary and stuff. And there was an interview, I, th I think it was with John Ramita and he, you know, he's talking about like, oh yeah, you know, Stan would whip us and things like that. And like, I'd seen that a bunch of years ago, but then when I was like watching all this stuff again and see like, it was, you know, 
all these different accounts were sort of coming together. And it's like, yes, he literally had this like cat of nine tails and he would come in and like, you know, work fast, you know, draw faster, you know, things like that and start whipping them. And it's just like, it kind of blew my mind. It's it, like, it's one of those things that, you know, the first couple of times you hear it, you, like it doesn't even compute it. Like it just goes right over your head because you can't imagine. But, but yeah, just that reality of like, you know, young, uh, you know, Enfant Terrible or whatever, you know, yeah. Stan Lee kind of three martinis in. Yeah. Who, who among us in our 20s? I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. Has yeah. Whipped people in our. Bed. I'd whip what? some people. Let's not do that. In the Let's afternoon after a long morning. Come on. Come on. Got to keep them motivated. Right. But for, but for Stan, it was like, you know, ha ha ha. It's just a joke. You know, you know. But meanwhile, he's like whipping these guys and they're like, hey, you know, we don't think it's funny. You, you, you know, you think it's funny. We don't. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, I really liked that you did, I don't know if we're spoiling too much about this book that's coming out in yeah. a couple of weeks now, but one of the things I really liked you did was uh, taking the stories he would tell and breaking it up over time to either show how they were consistent over time or inconsistent over time as he got older. Can you talk about structuring those sequences in particular? Yeah, I mean, I've like just sort of the the research into memory and what is memory has like just changed so much just in in recent years and come a long way and where uh you know it used to be such kind of like a gotcha moment of like catching somebody in some factual error but what we've we've kind of learned is that like everybody does that and and everybody like it's it's not you know in in like most cases it's not like a deliberate um you know dishonesty or it's just like that's kind of how the human brain works and like none of us are aware of it like we are not like we all do it uh to varying degrees and and it's like unthinkable because that that memory just kind of like seems so real but there are like thing you know two different memories get merged and things like that so um you know it it uh and and with stan you know we just sort of have that record and his stories were like you you there's there's just a there's just a record of them and you see them evolve and you see you know the the little changes that happen bit by bit until they get crystallized and then once they're crystallized it's just like it's the Stan Lee show and he just mm -hmm. it's very rote and he just rattles them off and and it was like going into this book it was a little disappointing um in in, in some respects because I I kept hoping to find because I I thought like yeah okay like let's let's hear Stan's side of the story let's hear, and and then like so much of it uh, was just it's you know the the, it, the substance just what like the, these were anecdotes and there'd be a laugh and there'd be a this but like you, you didn't you you wouldn't learn much from listening to you know to going to like one of these Stan Lee lectures I guess yeah you'd, you'd I mean, be entertained maybe. But. Well, I'll say, I mean, this is not to talk about my personal experience, but when I was working at MTV, we went out to interview Stan Lee, and it was great because he was putting on the Stan Lee show just for me sitting across yeah. his desk, and I was like, this yeah. is delightful, I'm having a delightful time, uh, and we got some great footage there, and it was a great interview, but it was the moment that we turned off the cameras and like we were putting them away and starting to put stuff away that he just sort of like slumped down in his seat and became a human being and started talking. And it was such a difference. And it was so palpable mm. in terms of like, oh, he's just being a person now. He's not putting on the Stan Lee that you see. So, so yeah, I guess he could turn it off sometimes. Uh, I did want to ask you to that point. Um, I 
I mean, this is, I think, every comic book fan, but I teared up reading the end of this book because the end of his life is such a tragedy in my mind. It's so heartbreaking to read. What was it like putting that section together in particular for you? It was really hard. Like it was, um, it was emotionally hard for me. Like it was like, and I, I didn't work in sort of strict chronological order when I was working on it, but there was it, it kind of like, I, like those last, you know, the, the last parts of his life, a lot of it, I was sort of doing it after, after going on this, this journey with him. So it, what it, 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 it affected me and it, what it, it had sort of, um, you know, it, it stuck, like it kind of lasted for a little while, for a little while there, I was just really, uh, yeah, just like sad and bummed out about, about the whole thing. And, and, it, and, you know, different things would happen maybe like in the news or, or in comics, you know, like, like with, you know, maybe his generation or, or, you know, even like the guys who, you know, are like a generation or two younger than him are still getting up there. And so, so like little things would end, like it would just really, yeah, it would really just be irksome. It was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. Like I was going through it and, and I, I, I could imagine just, cause just as a reading experience, it's like, you're seeing this guy's entire life laid in front of you in this, in this format. And so you really do see like this, this child, um, kind of, you know, grow up and, 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 uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, turn into, you know, just kind of age and, 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 and then, you know, go, just disappear. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it was, and so working on it was just this like meditation on mortality and, and, uh, you know, life and, you know. Yeah. Wow. Um, man, well, it definitely got me at the end there. So good, good job on that in terms of channeling yeah. the emotion and everything. Um, before we let you go, anything else you want to plug in particular? Obviously, I Am Stan is the big thing that's coming out in a couple of weeks, but anything else people should check out? Yeah, right at the same time, um, the same publisher, 10Speed, is putting out a softcover edition of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. Oh, nice. uh, you know, for anybody who missed it the first time around. And, um, and then also, uh, from Image Comics, I have this project that's that's coming out it's like at the printer right now it's um called jack kirby's star warriors the adventures of adam star and the solar legion and Ooh. it's um it, it it's it's um a pretty interesting project i kind of took this like lost jack kirby um science fiction series that he did like way at the beginning of his career like like one of the first comic books that it, that oh, he wow. worked on and kind of you know, remastered it kind of because um, it, it's it's a little like scattered and it's like here and there and over there. And I kind of uh, solidified it, kind of um, uh, messed around with some of the um, the layouts of it and things because it was such an early work of his that like the drawing was amazing. The writing was amazing. The, sto the storytelling was amazing. But then the comic book aspect of it was a little off. Like, you know, you know, some of those like really old comic books where they're like kind of stacked in. So I kind of just took them out of that context, gave them like a little room to breathe and, and cool. you know, did some little things with it here and there and made, made this like really nice presentation. I'm really excited about that. That one too. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Tom, congratulations on the book. I can't wait for anybody to see it. I'm definitely going to check out the Jack Kirby one as well. Great talking to you. Thanks, Tom. 
Here, am I still going? Hello. Uh, you were you were gone for a minute there, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah and honestly, we didn't know what to do. Oh my God. Uh, anyway, the book is called I Ebstad. It is out on September 12th in comic book stores and bookstores everywhere. So definitely check it out. Uh, whether you are a Stan Lee fan or a fan of comics or just fan of things that we tell you to buy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate fan. Yeah, there you go. All right, why don't we move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. Woo! And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in the comments over on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, and we'll get to them. They can be about anything. They can be about the, uh, geek culture stuff, comic books, love life. Yeah. But the only question love I life. have is, what are you guys drinking tonight? Pete, what you drinking? What you drinking? Oh, uh, just uh, you know, stealing a beer from my brother's fridge. You know, the sh- champagne of beers—is that what you're having? No, I'm having That's... a Miller Light. Isn't that the champagne of beers? Miller High Life, Alex. God, Alex, how come can on, you man. embarrass yourself? If this you don't much, know, right? don't say something. All right. <laughs> Jesus, That's what a podcast is. That's the concept of Jesus a podcast. Christ, if you don't man. know something, you say something anyway. No, we guess it's stuff we claim knowledge of. That's no. the whole <laughs> driving factor. Yeah, and now politics. Let's talk. Yeah, um, I'm drinking hotel room coffee, um, which is like the I don't even. It's not even a Keurig in this hotel room. It's another little device that makes uh, very bad coffee, and boy am I enjoying it. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a Lagunitas IPA. That's pretty good. No pumpkin? No pumpkin. Your pumpkin. caramel pumpkin was not great. So No! Um... <laughs> the caramel pumpkin was bad! Wow! What a, this is why what we a world! Uh, I don't even want to live here anymore. I don't, I don't want to even be here anymore. Hashtag I think you should leave. Why don't we get to some questions? This is from Frederico Rosa. Alex gave his opinion last week, but what are you guys thinking about Ahsoka? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. I watched the first episode. Um, Just I the th- first one? There are two. Yeah, yeah there are yeah. two. Three tonight. I know. Oh. I, only, I only had time to watch one. I don't know what oh. to tell you, man. Busy. Uh, yeah, I'm busy right now. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to checking out the second one. Do what is your you like the first one then? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Great, Justin. No what about you? Uh, I've li- I like it better than a lot of the other stuff. I haven't watched Rebels yet, um, so this makes me want to go back and watch Rebels to really get the backstory. It's it the it's made a little bit better than some of the other ones, um, so I think that's good. I think the writing's better. It still has this bleak sort of emotionless tone that all of the new Star Wars have taken on for some reason. And I'm like, is everyone forgetting that the Star Wars, like Leia had a temper, Harrison Ford was like smiled sometimes. And we just have lost that in Star Wars. That's the thing that, that's the thing that's driving me crazy about it right now, because I really want to get into it. And I really want to like these characters. I love Alex, you already gave your opinion last week. It says oh, that right okay. on the screen there. So you don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to go into it. You're right. You're right. You only get one opinion. Uh, that's okay, this is from Pablo. What's the best comic you don't want to read again? Wow. Ooh. Wow. That's a tricky question. Um, I mean, I mostly read them once, so I guess all of them. <laughs> what? Uh, you never reread? 
No, I go back to some of the faves, but um, I haven't gone back. I don't know if you know this, Pete, but there are new comics every week, and we read all of those. <laughs> I, I do know that. I've been doing the show with you for over 15 years now. I do think a lot of the stuff that we've purposefully revisited for podcasts are things that I read and thought, well, I'm good. Like Watchmen, frankly, was one that I don't think I would have. I read it. I encapsulated it in my body, mm. in my knowledge base. But going back, we did a podcast called Watchmen Watch back when Watchmen was on HBO. We Great reread and revisited HBO. every yeah. issue of Watchmen. And that was a that was a really enjoyable, good experience. I was very happy about that. So I know that's not exactly your question, but that's definitely one that I would not have revisited otherwise. I'm glad we did. Yeah. There you go. Uh, this is from Derek. Worse experience filming Donald filming Donald Trump or getting whipped by Stanley. Wow, real race to the bottom here. I think the actual experience uh, would probably be. I guess filming Donald Trump is the is worse on all fronts. Yeah, the weirdest part. We didn't really talk about this, but the weirdest part about that sequence in the book is he's whipping people with his cat of nine tails and everybody's like, what are you doing, Stan? Stop it. He's like, I'm just joking. What are you talking about? It's just a joke. I'm just whipping you. Which is like, that's not a joke. That hurts. Like, there is there is no world where getting whipped with a cat of nine tails doesn't hurt horribly. Well, I bet he was ju- I, I think a cat of nine tails is sort of harder to... Because it's so short. You'd really have to get up mm-hmm. in there to whip somebody with it. I oh, yeah. bet he was just threatening with them with it. Yeah, if I ever he was had, actively whipping them, that's pretty. That's even. Crazy. I think that's what he was doing. If I ever got access to a time machine, one hundred percent, the first thing I do is go back there, be like, was he actively whipping people or like jokingly whipping them? And that's then I the go back to my regular time and have like I don't know lunch or whatever. What? Wait, what? Talk to Tom. Talk to Tom. Okay, I'll talk to Tom. Uh, this is just a quick comment from Nat. You can't call it champagne of beers unless it's from the high life region of America. That's a great call, man. That's good. That's... Save that for your tight five, man. Put that on the side of the case, guy. That's good <laughs> stuff. The high life region of America is, of course, everywhere in America. This is from All in the Game. Sorry if you've already touched on it, but any thoughts Thoughts for the four-minute official teaser trailer of Rebel Moon? This is the new two-part movie from Zack Snyder. Coming to Netflix in December and April, I want to say. Have you guys checked out the trailer for this yet? Uh, I have not, but the commentary was, is it, is it possible that Zack Snyder made a good movie? Alex, wasn't that your take? I don't think that was my take. I don't think <laughs> I said anything about it. I So first of all, the context for this thing is Zack Snyder had a Star Wars pitch that either got turned down or it just didn't work out. And he had written a bunch of it. So it was like, great. I'll just make my own movie that's Star Wars, but I'll change some of the names and stuff. So if you watch the trailer, it's clearly people with lightsabers. There's clearly stormtroopers there. There's like a very Sith Darth Vader style character as well. So it's all that Star Wars stuff, but he's doing it. Um, I thought it looked fine. It looked like a Zack Snyder movie. I the My big takeaway is I saw a lot of people, Zack Snyder fans in particular, posting these comparisons of like, what Zack Snyder could do with his iPhone, what Marvel does with $100 million. 
and footage from Rebel Moon compared to like Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And every time I didn't do this, but I wanted to respond and be like, you know, they both look like shit. <laughs> Wait, so, he filmed this on an iPhone? I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe, I, but uh, it does not look good. I saw the idea, the, the idea of Zack Snyder being like, "I'm going to make my, I'm going to rip off Star Wars and shoot it on my iPhone." Is like, okay, enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Bye. I, I I liked the trailer. I thought it seemed fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Listen, you go. he's a good visual filmmaker. I like. I don't think he's good at story necessarily, but his stuff looks great when he's really crushing it. So I don't know. I'm always good. I'm always. Up and it for sounds like thing. he didn't need a new story if he just did Star Wars. There you go. So he's good to go. This is from Michael Tillman. We got lots of Easter eggs of the eventual demise of almost every Riverdale character in the last episode. But what the heck happened to Dr. Colonel Jr.? That's a great question. I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Yeah, that Obvious. is. He lives forever alongside uh, Nana Rose. They're mm-hmm. immortal and resurrect. They continually resurrect and they just uh, well, check out corpses. In the, my last season rewrites, I have him as like a warlock slash wizard uh, that teams up with uh, Sabrina and, of course, Cheryl. So, uh, yeah, he lives out uh, his best life. And let me just say, for those of you that maybe don't listen to our Riverdale After Dark podcast, what Pete just said sounded like um, casually said nonsense, but it's something that he, A, wrote down, and B, said in great detail on that other podcast. So, <laughs> don't worry, he means what he said. Yeah, great question, Michael. This is from Max Fuchs. Uh, Max, actually, just as a little note, is the artist of Killmore, which is coming out from IDW on September 13th. It's a great book, and you should check it out. He it's a, says, It's a nightmare of a book that's <laughs> unbelievable, but it'll haunt you forever. <laughs> he says, I want to know everyone's favorite kind of candy. Pete. I'm going to oh. give Pete 40 minutes to answer this yeah. question. <laughs> uh, all the flavors, all the kinds. All the flavors? All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, every, Just real I quick, when you're saying candy flavors. That I haven't liked. When you're saying flavors, it's like Snickers of flavor, or is it? Yes. A, okay. Yeah, yeah. All, I'm just trying to say everything. Um, he has a 1950s soda fountain way of ordering candy. He walks into a place and goes, "One candy, please." Yeah. And they hand him a little. Whatever candy. they hand me is great. Uh, I, it really depends on what's going on. If I'm really starving, I go with like a Snickers or something. But uh, you know, a Milky Way <laughs> is usually the top of uh, my list. More but Butterfinger is also really great. Almond Joy is unbelievable. You know, I, I also like a Twizzlers. You know what I mean? I'm not a Red Vines guy. I'm a Team Twizzlers. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to. When you have candy for dinner, Pete, what's your dessert? Uh, that's when you go with the Choco Taco. Rest in peace. I wish you were still around. Oh, my God. You dig it out of its grave. I just want to mention not to keep plugging other podcasts that we do on this podcast, but we do a podcast called Candy Bed, a Sweet Tooth podcast where we taste candy every episode. And, Pete, you've said many times. Uh, eating candy is a way of making yourself full, and I just like I still cannot wrap my mind around that. It just when you eat work. enough candy, I mean, I guess, but that's not how you use that stuff. Ice cream Snickers. Yeah. Oh yeah, come on. Ice oh wait, we didn't answer. Uh, Justin, what's your Snickers. favorite ice cream, ice cream Snickers, Snickers? Is your favorite? Yeah. Okay. Mine's Twizzlers, actually, which I know wow. you guys have wow. made fun of me for. Yes, that's like saying Necco wafers. Yeah, that's like saying I like to chew on electric cords, I guess. Yeah. 
Frederica Rosa again says, uh, but about comics, what do you guys think was the best decade for comics and what was the worst? Wow. <gasps> That's wildly subjective. Yeah. Um, I gotta, I mean, it also, like, it's when you grow up. Uh, so I would say, like, I found that I have a soft spot for the ni- early 90s, late 80s, early 90s mm-hmm. comics that I read and then went back and read when I was first getting into comics because that's there was a wild time in comics. There were so many. Everyone was putting crazy ideas on the page. There was such a vibe to it. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'd say Justin's answer, but it's also the worst uh, because of like the insane uh, kind of styles and stuff that happened. There was horrible comics that were made in the 80s, but I love them. And so, yeah, I mean, we, I, I, yeah, I was an 80s, 90s kid. So, uh, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was, uh, you know, the thing that rocked my world and changed uh, my love of comics forever. But also there was like, you know, stuff that also came down in that area that I look back at and I'm like, oh my God. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the great thing about comics is, you know, if you keep reading, you're just going to find more and more amazing things. So, like Candy. I would throw out, I agree with you guys on like, I think the 2000s were really good just in terms of innovation for the mainstream publishers in particular, but I I sort of feel like right now is one of the best times for comics. I know- That's a popular answer in the comments. Well, legitimately, like, there are so many different types of comics you can read. It's not- if you never want to read Marvel and DC, you don't have to if you don't want to because there are so many other amazing things going on. You have so many great creators and artists Creator and owns. people who understand how to create something because they've learned the lessons of previous generations. Frankly, like if the image revolution hadn't happened, we wouldn't be getting what we get now because oh, they yeah. learned the positive and negative lessons from that. That happened in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. So obviously I have a soft spot for that stuff like you guys do, but... I, comics are really good right now. And in terms of worst decade, just to slag off a decade, I would say the 70s, just because that was the time when things were just lost. Like, you were past the innovation of the 60s, and then you got into a place where everybody was doing whatever garbage they could put out there before you really started to get that innovation again in, like, the early 80s um, with things like Frank Miller's stuff and Alan Moore's stuff and the British Revolution and whatever. So that feels like a little bit of a lost decade to me, kind of. Yeah, Even though I feel some... like a lot of comic book creators were straight up tripping balls when they were making comics. <laughs> yeah! In the so that was a whole vibe as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. What are your top five popular villains that you'd like to see unleashed on a city? I would love to fight the... Um, uh, the uh, What's the... the and all the cards, the villains who are in every book where they get beat up. Oh, the, the uh, um, <laughs> I, can't I can't think I start talking something, like, oh. something gag. It's yeah, 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 yeah. The the deck of cards gang, gang. yeah, the deck of the cards King family of suits gang, yeah. The oh my um, god, yeah, I know you're talking about because <laughs> uh, ter- like it'd be funny because we could just fight them on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Royal, Royal Flush, Flush gang, gang. Royal Flush to Michael Tillman. Uh, that there'd be a fun to just uh, casually beat up on your way to work, but I gotta give it up for Pace Pop Pete LePage. I wish that guy would threaten uh, New York City like he used to. <laughs> what about uh, you, Pete? 
popular villain you'd like to see unleashed on a city? On a city? Well, you got to go with Magneto because the city's a lot of metal and he can just, you know, crush your town. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And destroy Well, you want to see him crush your town? <laughs> well, I think... You're you know, on the villain side? That's what Baltimore. Have you heard about that? That place is hell on earth. Stop saying that, you asshole. Um, I just think it's one of those things where, you know, when you want to see a villain unleashed on something, you want to see what kind of damage can happen. Then hopefully you can, you know, wake up the next day and be like, oh, it was all a horrible dream. Yeah. I like to see Big Wheel. I think Big Wheel, that would be fun. Just like you're walking down the street and you see a Big Wheel come by. And Big Wheels were fun. Those were good times. Kevin says, other than New York, what is the best and worst depictions of a real city in comics? Mm. Uh, other than Matthew Rosenberg's Joker Bergy. book, I'm going to say Los Angeles. It's just like nobody knows what's going on there. Like for the amount of people that live there, I'm like, what are you doing? This is not. I, I do love you don't when think West Coast Adventures uh, handled uh, the Los Angeles. Lifestyle? They were like, well, here we California are fighting place. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame again. Uh, I love they when they tourists. put I love when they put wow. Texas in a book. Uh, you know, we were talking yeah, about Texas Blue Beetle blood. and some of the old uh, uh, Blue Beetle 2000s with Jimmy Reyes with just some beautiful stuff. Uh, sometimes they do a great job with uh, uh, Texas and uh, uh, the, just kind of the big sky stuff and the different colors you get. It's a little different than on a city backdrop. So I always enjoy that. I think Canada is always pitch perfect in comics. No notes. No notes. They always, they always really nail Yeah, Alpha Flight knocks it out of the park every time. Every time, yeah. You're you like, can tell they really did some fact-finding missions up in Canada whenever they would take out an Alpha Flight book. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right, there we go. That is it for your audience questions. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. We are going to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online or, of course, Long John Silvers for some reason. Uh, We're looking for someone to just kind of put a hand up or, uh, you know. David uh, Quinley will do it. Oh, yeah. We got the Quinn Quinn cycle. The Quinjet. Quinley is up. So just answer in the comments, and we will get you set up here. Um, I'm probably going to feed you them in the comments, but Pete, are you ready? Yes, I am. Our today's trivia is on topical comic news, and a small nod to the legend, Bob Barker, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Kelly Thompson is writing, what Marvel comic coming soon is it A, it's Dupe, B, it's Jeff, the Jeff Universe, number one, or C, Joe Sackick? Uh, so when in doubt, always go with maybe the longer one, which is B, it's Jeff, you know, just as a little bit of a hint. Or... Just to check if that was the answer, is this a new It's Jeff book? It's Jeff, Jeff Universe? Is that the yeah. idea? Yeah, yeah, number one. It's a new It's oh, Jeff sweet. book. My son's going to be universe. so excited. He's been asking about a new It's Jeff book for a while. Uh, people nice. love Jeff. I don't know what you're David says, is. hey, he got it wrong, so I guess he lost trivia. I ah, guess he Papa, did we'll lose get you trivia. Time, yeah, maybe. that's the uh, first time in 16 years of the show that somebody's lost trivia. But Yeah, but of course it's B. Wait, no, can't you get two right? Oh, yeah, he can do like... Three? 
too. Uh, you have to really run the board. Nat is asking, who is Jeff? Jeff is a land shark who Hawkeye and Gwenpool hang out Who is Jeff? Come on, Nat. Turn in your nerd card. Who is Jeff? Unbelievable. All right, here we go. Nat lost worse than David, so David's back in. Yeah, all right. What DC book, question number two, what DC book will Tom Taylor be writing? Is it A, Titans Beast World number one, B, is that his last name or just his initial C, David K? Oof, really leaning towards B here. That's well, after he got the first one wrong, I wanted to make it super clear, uh, and only one of them is the title of a uh, comic book, and that is A. So uh, I want to make it easy for our uh, people who nicely volunteer. That's really nice. It's hard to hear all the words you say, though, so you never know what people are going to say. That's true. Also, I, yeah, I, I stumble over words. I don't speak well. There's a lot uh, going against people who volunteer. Yeah. A? Is it A? Yes, it is A. Wow. All right. Here we go. Nice. Okay. One, one and one. One and one. No, Last no, one. No, Here no. we go. What is the new project coming out for Ram V? Is it called A, Waiting for Beer, B, Waiting to Die, or is it C, fill up beer? <laughs> so uh, we might want to go with B on this one, just so mm. you know there, David. Uh, yes, Beast World is correct. Uh, nice. What? what? No, that was the last one. <laughs> that was, that was the last was question, slow. but still yeah. correct. So It's it, great to be right. <laughs> yeah, if you answer right. the same question multiple times, you get multiple points for it. So congratulations, David. You have won the quiz just hit us up on email and we will get you a gift card to literally wherever you want. We got it. I got Kevin a gift card to Barnes and Noble the other day. So there's no rules anymore. Oh, that's a nice treat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, B is correct uh, for the last and one. And there's no movie. way this movie's not Happy Gilmore, right? It's definitely Happy Gilmore. We're talking about, of course, the 1996 cult comedy classic. Happy Gilmore. Would you call it a cult comedy classic or a blockbuster comedy? It <laughs> <laughs> came out in the 90s. Yeah, but people, you know, uh, has that cult following. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess if um, our entire American culture is a cult, then that's technically a cult class. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Speaking for Speaking of cults, as we all know, new comic books are coming out all the time. What are you guys looking forward to that's coming out this week? Pete? Oh, man. Uh, I got a, a straight Marvel pick where it's Miss Marvel, the new mutant number one. The Incredible Hark number three and Blade number two are all my favorites. Mm, Justin, what about you? Picking a comic that is tied to the fall of X event. What a coup. Uh, The Marvel folks will be celebrating in the streets tonight, no doubt. I got to give it up for Local Man Gold, uh, which Mm -hmm. is a a book from Image I've been really enjoying by our our main man, touchy-feely Tim Seeley. Um, about a 90s uh, style image hero who comes back to his hometown after his life gets all messed up. Um, And I also want to shout out Cosmic Detective, which comes out not this week, but in a couple weeks uh, by Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent. That book looks like it's going to be excellent. Yeah, but who knows? I guess I will give a shout out to a bunch of stuff that's coming out this week. I was really looking forward to Gnort's illustrated swimsuit issue, which is worth it for the art alone. Worth it for the pun alone. Worth it for the pun alone. They had me at the pun. I was like, I'm in. 
you son of a yep. bitch, I'm in. Uh, all a second, Miss Marvel. The new, that feels like the big title of the week. Very curious to see what they do with that. Also, very into the idea of Action Comics presents Doomsday Special, where Doomsday is the king of hell. That's yeah. a wild thing from Dad Waters, who's been on. A That's what I call run. a swerve. That's yeah. a sick covers, sick covers, and very interested to see what they're going to be doing with Ultimate Invasion, as that is leading into a new Ultimate Universe. Should be interesting to check out. Mm. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Woo! A couple of people to thank. We want to thank Tom Scioli for coming on. Check out I Am Stan coming out of bookstores and comic book stores on September twelfth. Also, Scott Brian Wilson and Max Fuchs for coming out. Check out IDW's Kilmore on September 13th. Next week on the show, Mel Valentine Vargas is going to be here for Yaki Delgado wants to kick your ass. Oh, oh no, and me? Si- yeah, you. And Simon Hanselman and Josh Pettinger are going to be here to talk about Werewolf, Jones, and Sons. Bunch of other podcasts for us to plug. Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast. We just launched this. A Scott Pilgrim podcast. We're going to be counting down to the Netflix series. Comic Book Club News, our daily comic book club news podcast coming out Monday through Friday. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast coming out weekly with also some DC news right now. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. That'll be probably coming back with some news as well. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast should be done, but it's not. We have a new episode coming out tomorrow. Talking down your theories and questions. Patreon.com slash comic book club. Support this show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, or the app of your choice. At Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X. Comic Book Club Live on Instagram or TikTok. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time. Good night. Good night, everybody. Take care of yourself. Got-